Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Serene Chaos Podcast. Hello, everybody. I hope you all had a wonderful week and an even better weekend. This is here the second episode of the Serene Chaos Podcast. And I would like to, first of all, thank you for having listened to the first episode. It was a great experience. I was a little bit nervous, but at the same time, I was having fun. So I hope that fun showed through more than the nervousness of the podcast. Now, in the first part of the podcast, I spoke about the rule of 70, 30, 10, and basically, in a nutshell, what I would do in a production of my own webcomics. So I want to just go a little bit more specific in one area, and that's pretty much how I write my webcomic how it's specifically Fred Peterson the Mighty Warlord that is my main webcomic it's been the webcomic that I've been doing for almost eight years now on the internet and it's a character that I've had since eighth grade so it could very well be my son at this point of my life so let's get on to this shall we so, when it comes to my personal writing process, I tend to adapt depending on the project. A short-term project or a collaborative project, a personal project, an ongoing project, it all depends on that. For Again, for the sake of this episode in particular, I'm just going to talk about more how I write Fred Peterson, The Mighty Warlord. But I will eventually touch upon the different writing methods that I use or that you could use as well. And once again, this is not the right way of doing it. It's not the wrong way of doing it. It's simply my way of doing it. And if any listener out there wants to share their own experience or share how they do your writing process i really encourage you to do so so we can just start a healthy conversation and maybe even all of us start brainstorming you never know what idea can come out of just commenting and talking over things so anyway as i mentioned before with warlord I am a very story-oriented person. If anybody that's read my blogs before and just knows that I am a very story and character-driven kind of writer. And once again, you can read my blogs at the truthfulcomics.com website. You'll see the webcomic there in its entirety. 
you can read all my blogs as well as the blogs and projects of my other studio mates there. There's really great stuff there. So I encourage you to give that website a visit to just sink in all that webcomic goodness, man. So, as I had mentioned, I am very story-oriented when it comes to my writing. When I think of Warlord, usually I think about a plot or a certain scene and go about it. Now, I also keep in mind the distinct personality traits that I try to infuse each character with. So, I try to see in my mind how each character would react differently in the same situations. And it's... I'll usually just a matter of character. In real life, every person is a individual world within themselves, each with their own strengths and weaknesses, virtues and faults. Everybody reacts differently to certain situations, and that's something I try to do with the characters in Fred Peterson, The Mighty Warlord. I try to give them their own individual traits, like, for example, there's Fred, the main character, Fred Peterson, who tends to overthink things almost to the point of being oblivious to things around him sometimes, which usually affects his relationships to those around him. There's also a more recent character named Marilyn, who tends to be a bit redundant in her speech patterns when she starts to feel threatened or gets in a bad mood basically repeating herself subconsciously, and it can be something more subtle, like when another main character, Jane, which is Fred Peterson's best friend, when she is feeling more introspective or sad or pensive, she starts twirling her hair with her fingers. And what I usually do is just remember traits from Fred's family or even myself, in every character in The Mighty Warlord, there is a little bit of myself stabbed into those characters in one way or another. What also helps is something I read a long time ago, and that is to be open to listen to what strangers may say in a place like a bus stop, a mall, the train, the street, a store... And that's not to say that you're going to go out and eavesdrop on any and every conversation because that could be kind of rude and borderline stalkerish. But it's good to keep your ear open because sometimes people can be a little loud. And when that happens, you definitely find some true gems out there. Like, for example, in my day job. I have this supervisor that had given a specific set of instructions to two co-workers in particular. And minutes after she gave them those instructions, they went ahead and did everything backwards. They did everything pretty much the contrary to how she had said it, and she caught them. And after she lectured them, when they're going to go back to their working stations... She just sighs and says, You people are just like my children. The last thing I tell you is the first thing you do. And you can't make that up sometimes. No matter how good of a writer you are, 
sometimes those little golden nuggets you just can't take it out from your own imagination it's it's that fresh perspective that individuality that again each person is a world and with their own unique traits and abilities and their own sayings and that's just something so wonderful and it's definitely something that you can include in your repertoire when you're writing something that will make your characters more tangible more believable despite of whatever fantastical over-the-top situation they may be there's always that dialogue that could keep them grounded and what I usually do as well is remember traits from friends like I said before put yourself sometimes into it too sometimes you could put your own little quirks in there not the you, you like unless an unless it's an autobiographical comic it's probably not the best to put too much of yourself into a character and if you do it's like something that I read a while back too that's very important if you're going to infuse so much of your character perhaps of your traits and maybe the idealization of what you wish you were it's important to put your faults into that character as well to balance it out and also, those are the things that make you just that makes your character sound more believable. And also, questioning questioning your characters is a good way to develop them. One thing I read early on that really helps you is this simple yet fascinating question: What is your character feeling right now, and why is it feeling that way? Again, that is a very important question to ask. Especially when you want to take out, sing, um, signal out a character in particular and try to go one by one to see what they're feeling and how they're reacting. Like, once again, what is your character feeling right now and why is it feeling that way? Also scattered all throughout the internet are various memes and questionnaires that asks more deep questions about your characters that can really help you flesh out the personality more. Also giving your characters unique personalities definitely helps when a scene requires to have none of the characters be visible but there is speech going on and the only way to identify which character is which is going to have to be determined by the personality trait and the characters to be able to tell them apart to me having good characters with these human traits makes the story all that much better because readers can identify with these characters even if sometimes they agree or disagree with the course of action a character might take the problem still makes the reader identify and relate to them and even so even if they disagree with a certain action that a character may do it's the best thing in the world to have a reader just immerse themselves so much into the story and characters that they'll suddenly find themselves yelling at the screen or at the comic book page. What are you doing? What were you thinking? And it's great to just have that kind of interaction between this fantasy world and the reader as well. And at least as a writer, at least my goal as a writer is to help people get lost in the story 
and for better or worse, yes, make them forget about everything that's going around them at that moment, whether that be a bad day, a tough day, a difficult day, or somebody that just wants to relax and read something and be distracted. Hopefully, they'll be able to be distracted reading my material and at the end of the day, feel entertained. And that also involves a lot of the plotting. I usually usually plot the storylines in long term since this is a dramatic long story. So each story arc, I pretty much develop the plot of the storylines into three acts. The setup, the consequence, and the resolution. I think of a conflict that's the overall theme of the storyline. Like, for example, the first 11 chapters or issues of Fred Peterson, The Body Warlord, which I call Book 1. The main theme in that story is love and sacrifice. In those 11 chapters, it can be divided into three separate stories. But with that recurring theme running throughout all 11 chapters or issues. So, after I think of the main theme... Conflict of the sto- and conflict of the story, I piece together the series of events that begin to unfold, brainstorming how one character will react to another character or situation, and most importantly, what are the consequences to those actions and reactions or lack of actions at that specific moment. Once I think of the situations and think out particular scenes, then I start typing on the computer. For The Mighty Warlord in particular, I don't write full scripts, but I don't just draw from just the plot either. I kind of mesh the two systems of writing together in terms of the Marvel way or the DC way back in the day where... Back in the day, DC Comics would have a full script that Marvel would do it upon the plot. I kind of do this kind of mesh of both things. When I start typing up a chapter, rather than writing a full script, since I'm also doing the artwork, lettering, and editing on it, I mix everything up. I start again using the three-act method chopping up that chapter into three parts. I type down the plot of the first act and write the vast majority of the dialogue of the act without any page counts or indication of where what to draw at that moment. And then I just repeat it for the other two acts of the chapter, writing the plot of the act followed by the dialogue. After writing it, I reread most of what I have written before so I can keep up with the continuity of the story and that is something that's very important to do to just go back and read even if you think you know what you're doing <laughs> because we're only humans and many times when we don't many times we don't realize it but we may forget something that happened before that could affect the continuity of the story and it could get a little bit messy, so it's important to keep tabs on what you did beforehand. And before I start fleshing out where I'm going to draw and finalize the script, I read the dialogue portion out loud, 
That's a very old common trick for writers, but incredibly useful. If the dialogue sounds like it's flowing naturally and doesn't sound awkward, you're good to go. But if it's on a page or screen and it looked good to you when you read it, sometimes it doesn't really translate well when it's spoken. It could affect the story. Many times readers will pick up on how awkward a piece of dialogue reads and whatever idea you wanted to try and develop or convey may get lost. So it's also good to not only proofread for errors on the script, but to read aloud as well to make sure it sounds right. If it sounds right and natural, it will read right and natural. And after I proofread and read aloud, that's when I save up everything and print out the script. Also, because in a way, because of my background in communications, studying communications in college, even after when I finished writing and printing the script, I'm not finished writing. Sometimes mid-scene while I'm drawing, I decide to either eliminate a scene completely or add on to it if I feel it needs to be explored more. So I have that movie or TV director mentality of... The script is not written in stone, and change and adapt if necessary. Now, on the next episode, I'll explain a little bit more how I go from the printed script onto the art side of things, like thumbnailing and going online to look for props so you can use as reference, etc. And again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, this is really not the right way or the wrong way of doing it. It's simply my way of doing it. And I hope that, like in the previous episode, if you listen to this and you could draw upon something positive, something that would help you do something, write something, that's all I want. I just want to inspire and help other creators or would-be creators to just... Go out there and do their thing, live their dream, and take those wonderful worlds that they have inside their heads and not simply have it stored in a hard drive or in a drawer, to just put it out there and share it with the world. Well, anyway, I'm glad that you're back again listening to this episode if you listened to the first one. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, I welcome you to this crazy little world of mine, and I hope you have repeat visits. The door is going to be always open, and the welcome mat always going to be clean and fresh. And I hope everyone has a great and creative week. Remember, my friends, stay creative. Until next episode, take care and have a wonderful week.